Hassan Kasim is a Kenyan writer and Kiswahili literary translator. In this episode, he spoke about his literary journey into translations and about Kiswahili literature. He was a beneficiary of the Pen Pen Residency by the European Union, later longlisted for the inaugural Toyin Falola Prize for the African Short Fiction, and the 2022 winner of the Mozilla Common Voice Essay Prize. In this episode, he spoke about his literary journey into translations and about Kiswahili literature. His other publication credits appear in Lolwe, Words Without Borders, Sahifa Journal, Hikaya, Africa in Dialogue, and The Standard. His translation of Nobel laureate Ole Soinka's poem, Mandela Comes to Lia to Kiswahili, appeared in Jalada's second translation issue. and his translation of jalada's many to english published in the first of its kind collection kiswahili literature and translation no edges by two lines press later picked up by tilted access press in the uk hasan writes about the ill documented communities of coastal kenya and is working towards increasing access of swahili writers to the english speaking world welcome to our podcast uh, hasan thank you for coming over I'm humble. Thank you for having me. Literature, books, how did it develop? Any family influences? I think I came late to a love of reading, to be honest. I, I was always a good reader in primary school, in high school, but it was always like the Dan Brown, Sidney Sheldon, those types of fiction. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think it's when I was in the university. Because in university, you have a lot of time to think about things, to self-reflect. And we had these long holiday sessions. So in my holiday sessions, mostly, I engaged in a lot of community work back then. So in my community works, let's say, I, in my community works, so I had to write these write-ups usually, like we did this and this and this and this. But... With the write-ups now, I had a lot of background check-ups now for the subjects. And that's how I, I think I came to reading through a love of non-fiction initially. So I read non-fiction to get context for, for my proposals, for my that sort of thing. And that's how slowly, in 2020, the pandemic, that's when I started reading fiction. Oh, non-fiction means what exactly you're talking about. What are the topics that you used to read in non-fiction? It's mostly psychology, economics, like the whole geopolitical sphere that's going on in the world. It's an understanding of what's going on in the world initially. So I came to loving reading through that because I remember going to a workshop and someone asked me, do you want to write fiction? And I said, no. And they asked, why? Every writing is good, fi- every good writing is fiction. And I said, I think... Uh, I I come to writing from a level of truth because that is what I want to tell people is that truth even though much later on I started to understand that fiction is also about truth only much more truth that encompasses our our world but we use a uh, fiction as the bouncing board for that truth let's say yeah so when you started reading fiction who are the authors uh, that you chose to Serious literary fiction, I mean. Oh, literary fiction. Obviously, Nabokov. 
Nabokov is one of my favorite writers of all time. Okay. <laughs> that man can write a sentence. Like, when I read Lolita, it's sort of an awakening for me. And after Nabokov, it's when I started reading John Williams, Stoner, is one of my favorite books of all time. Uh, there's J.A. Baker. J.A. Baker has a book called The Peregrine. It's about nature writing. It's about this man's hand for a bird. But in the essence, as he's hunting for the bird, he sort of takes on an animalistic version of himself and he sort of becomes the bird. And it's, it's a good play of language and landscape and everything. Yeah. And also, I read a lot of Latin American fiction. So, uh, Borges, Borges, Gabriel uh, Barquia Marquez. These are some of my favorite writers of all time. Yeah. Essentially, that's what I have with fiction. Yeah. So, no Gurna for you? I actually read Gurna like two years ago. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> in, uh, okay. In, in, in all confession, uh-huh. I'm not the people. I'm not the person who will say I discovered Gurna with Nobel Prize because I knew of Gurna and I had read like one of his books. But also when he won the Nobel now, it's when I took a great interest now in Gurna. So <laughs> no Gurna for me in the beginning. <laughs> so who introduced you to literary fiction? You on your own you started reading? I came to literary fiction from... St- my beginning of writing when i started writing i discovered that because uh, when you're writing you're like okay i'm in a room okay describe the room except the bed like, i don't know any of that i know nothing of how to tackle that so uh i discovered like i think it's research with youtube and discovering uh booktubers like uh do you know uh, better, better than food. Better than food book reviews. I think that's my entry point into literary fiction. Yeah. How how did you get into translation then? From reading to translation, what was the journey like? My translation journey begins in 2020. It it, it begins with my writing journey. At the same time, I know I I started writing also a little late. It's the sense of frustration that I had when you graduate and you sort of realize that from your point of the world, your prospects are sort of limited. You don't have the luxury of getting into whatever you want. You sort of have to limit yourself. That's what I had in mind. So I applied for a residency with an essay on the African identity by the European Union and Culture at Rocks Africa. And in this residency, I wrote this essay on how I want to be a writer. Uh, let's say for even for, uh, for an African, writing is a luxury in a sense, in that you have to be, in a sense, privileged to undertake this because you must be more realistic. And they took me in. So in that residency, we sort of discussed, like, how do we tackle writing, but in our own African sense? not to capitulate to the Western tradition in the essence. So I and in that residency, we took on editing and writing. And uh, it was essentially one of these sessions was about, do you know anything about Rotten English? No, I don't. It's a movement in Nigeria with, uh, let's say, the writers Ken Sarawiwa 
where instead of writing in the Queen's English, we sort of write in, it's English, but it's in our, the way we say things, like in African. So it's pidgin and that sort of thing. So we sort of had this exercise to take a piece of writing in English and trans, either translate it first to Kiswahili. And I translated mine, yeah. And then you take it again and now like say it the way you would say it in English, but in how you'd say it like an African, not as, an, as a white man. So in that, in that exercise, even though the, it was supposed to establish that it's much easier to do the Russian English, I found it much easier to translate so after the workshop, yeah. <laughs> right. After the workshop, uh, the I there was a project by Two Lines Press. They were looking for contributors by African translators for Kiswahili fiction, and uh, it's a long story. And but in, in yeah, please go ahead. That's please how... go ahead. We are we are <laughs> we are here to hear you out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. in, even 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 the project of Twilight Press initially they had like well, they called a, a a Kiswahili writer who was a friend of mine and she knew that I liked translation and she uh, as in she was going to translate my piece of writing essentially to take my one of my published nonfiction works and translate it to English but on reaching out to the publisher now uh, Kelsey the editor. She said, no, we're actually looking for Kiswahili works to translate into English. That's the F anthology. And you're like, oh, instead of now looking for other people, why not just now you translate me? <laughs> and I took one of her fiction stories and translated it. And that's how a translator was born, let's say. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is a short story you sent me, the yeah, guest. Yeah, so that's the short story for Trinidad's Press, yeah. Uh, how is the literary scene in uh, your city? Are there writers from your city you you keep meeting each other, or how is it translators? Yeah, for the past five years, I think it's when it's become alive. Uh, in the sixties, there was this writer called Taban Lo Leong. He's sort of the bad boy in African fiction. East African fiction. He said East Africa is a literary desert. In that. Nothing is produced. <laughs> nothing is produced there, and essentially, literary deserts like nothing comes from. Because even when you think of African fiction, I think you think of West African, the Nigerians or South Africans, Jim Kotsi and uh, Nadim Godima. Yeah, that's essentially African fiction. But East Africa now was sort of a desert. That's why that's the statement he made. Although we criticized him, but it, in reality, there's not much output from our part. But since the past five years, and now Mombasa is more marginalized. Let's say the coast of East Africa is one of the most marginalized areas in the nation and in Africa in general, in my opinion, let's say. So when, when in, in the past five years, there are these workshops by Kwani, there's writers doing individual like efforts to, to like now exhume what is dead in our fiction. So for the past five years, let's say, we've had these workshops and that's how even I came to writing. If it wasn't for these workshops, I wouldn't. But, but after now, these five years now, we have these prizes coming up. There's more people coming out to writing. And okay, for, yeah, now it's becoming more vibrant. And there's Soil Literary Festival. 
yeah, there's the Swahili Literary Festival, which is like it's anchored a lot of writers and given them voices and platforms and like a place to go to. It's a place to go to if you don't have because when I think of the Western publishing point of view, it's more of insular. Like it's uh, it's inequitable. It's inequitable, especially for writers on the margins. So at least with our own our infrastructure in terms of the literary festivals, it's becoming like it's it's habituating more homegrown writers essentially. Yeah. Now tell us about uh, Swahili, the language. Uh, what are the countries it is spoken in? And uh, uh, I was reading about Kiswahili also. Are they same or uh, Kiswahili use is a term used for specific things? I didn't understand. Could you please clarify about what is the difference between Kiswahili and Swahili? And uh, tell us about the language, where it is spoken. And Essentially, Kiswahili and Swahili are the same things. But... I'm guessing it's the ang- anglophonization of the word. So in 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 here, like where we are, we say Kiswahili for everyone. But then when we go to Europe now, it's when they say Swahili. Swahili, yeah, it's it's really simple. Yeah, Swahili. It comes from the Arabic word Sahil, which means the coast. So it's the language spoken, the lingua franca of Sahil. Yeah. Selling of Franca of these coastal areas from Mombasa, uh, Lamu, Malindi, Tanzania, in Zanzibar. It's the coast essentially. So essentially, we have Kenya, it's spoken, and Tanzania, which is like spoken more. Uh, we have Congo, we have Uganda, uh, and with since 2022, with the UN declaring the World Kiswahili Day. And the, U- and the AAU, African Union, saying that we are choosing Kiswahili as the lingua franca to bring Africa together. As in, there's much more Kiswahili spoken and being taught in Ghana, South Africa. So it's growing. And the US also, they have classes in Kiswahili in many places. It's a growing language, essentially. Okay, when it comes to the use of the language, Kiswahili, in Kenya and uh, you said Tanzania too, right? The signboards and uh, government, uh, the way it communicates, it's all in Kiswahili. The newspapers and all are in English. In Tanzania, Kiswahili is the language. Like it's the language. It's spoken in school. That's how they teach people. But in Kenya, well, for a long time since the post, since colonialism, since we had our independence, we've spoken more of English in our institutions than Kiswahili, even though more, much effort is being done at the moment to like inculcate Kiswahili into government and parliament. But I, I, I would say in Kenya, we speak more English, like more effort is put on English than Kiswahili, uh, unlike Tanzania. Yeah. So when you talk about contemporary literature in Kiswahili, uh, who are the writers? Can you name some of the writers and uh, their work and uh, themes that they are dealing with mainly? Contemporary writers. I would put Said A. Muhammad at the forefront. Said A. Muhammad is a writer based in Zanzibar. He was a lecturer at Leipzig University where he did his PhD, I think. 
uh, and he has more. I think his has the most staying power in Kenyan classrooms and Zanzibar as well. So what he deals with is essentially the plight of women. Uh, it's musings of our post-colonial identity. So it's ruminations on now that we have our freedom, our independence, where do we go from here? Because we, we, we had these people saying, well, we're fighting for freedom, fighting for freedom, and now they have leadership. And they sort of have betrayed us in sense of power. So it's that abuse of power. It's that use of religion as a tool to as a tool to enforce the bourgeoisie that was here in Africa. So those are the themes essentially. I would say it's that rumination on our post-colonial identity. That is what Sayyidah Muhammad deals with, and he's been writing since the eighties with his books like Babu uh, Fufuka which means when granddad resurrected, Utengano, which means severance. And, but we have, after Saida Muhammad, we have Yufreske Zilahabi from Tanzania as well. He's more postmodernist. And we, he tackles themes which are, uh, let's say, like Albert Camus. Uh, so that sort of existentialism. Yeah. But also, we, with more recently, more contemporary, with the younger generation, more younger generation, we have, since the induction of the Swahili Prize in our area, we have, we have seen a burst of much more young, vibrant voices. But they deal with much more domesticity in the African sense and that sense of identity in our modern times. And then as Africans, we, are, we think we are more westernized than we think. So it's sort of to encompass uh, that sense of tradition and modernity that they caught to me to keep it uh, side by side and sort of interrogate where we are, where we are going. So we have like uh, more contemporary young writers. I would say we have Zainab Baharun from Zanzibar who won the Swahili Prize in 2015. We have Ali Hilal who writes Mezafupa who has this deep contemplative novel as well. We have, uh, last year it was won by uh, Khalfan Sudi, one of the, he writes in a very colloquial way. He's, he says, I talked to them, he says, in not that uh, academic sense. And it's so beautiful to think about how these young voices are essentially uh, finding their footing in their place and we are at their beginning, let's say. I think there's a lot of interesting voices that are coming up, especially, I think it's hard to write when there's no incentive, incentive to writing, because for most writers of, let's say, post-colonial period, it was mostly writing for academic, because when you write, you, your book will be picked up by a school, and it will be read, and that's how you make a living from that. But then, there's this other faction of writers now who are just, who want to write, but then, then what? You write a book and then what do you do with it? Because the publishing, the publishing is strange in East Africa, if I'm honest. It's not as, uh, uh, it's essentially, how do we frame this? Although, uh, at the moment, we have 
publishers coming up, let's say like uh, them cooking Nyota in Tanzania who are publishing Swahili fiction, uh, there was never a place for that was deal strictly with Kiswahili literary fiction, literary works essentially, which was mainly cash grabs, let's say, because uh, for most most of the writing is regurgitation of some Hollywood themes, and you put on like the same ending. It's the same, the same. I, I think it's the same book written over and over and over. But since the Swahili price, I think people have been more diligent to produce works of substance. Uh, and that is a development that I'm liking to see at the moment with the right the writing coming out at the moment is very much high quality than it was before because there's a movement let's say in in Kiswahili called Ta'arab. Ta'arab is the music here and essentially did you grow up on Bollywood? Yeah. yeah. Oh, so so let's say uh, a song like Ajib dastahe, ajib dastahe. And yeah, that's yeah, essentially yeah. how you put it in Kiswahili. You take the tune, the music, everything, and you just put in Kiswahili words and people. That's the, so essentially, even with literature, it's taking a Hollywood movie and it, it, like putting it in Kiswahili now. That was what was happening. But at the moment, like, like I think we're at the maturation stage of Kiswahili literature. Even though there's been great works from the past, but at the moment we have really good works coming up. And I'm liking to see where this is going. I'm not sure what you wanted to talk about, but <laughs> maybe you could frame something and I could take it from there. Yeah. Or do you think that uh, these social issues that you are encountering today, have they been properly reflected in the literature that is coming out? I would say yes. The fiction from Mombasa and Tanzania, let's say Zanzibar, because my main focus is the it's the coastal line as well, because that's the that's the context that I know very well. It really reflects what the society is like, because essentially, uh, like I was saying, like writers write from their own just from their own lenses, and in many ways, Swahili writing is has that sense of activism in in themselves because they've been marginalized for so long, so. In a way, they're saying you can't sidestep us any longer from the Kenyan narrative, from the world narrative. And you, essentially, that is what imbibes the whole Swahili fiction. Because I think most of the thematics uh, that are going on right now is the, the decay of morals. Like, like, let's say, like I said, like most writers have that dichotomy between tradition and modernity and how do we like navigate the both of them because essentially you can't really go back to tradition with where the world is heading but also with being modern there's a lot that we're losing as cultures especially from the global south so essentially essentially Swahili writing sort of tackles the, those questions uh, in terms of the family dynamics in, in terms of uh, drug use of because we have a huge drug problem in in the coast with the with being a port city many things come in through the port and uh, so essentially we are rising ourselves into our own history and talking about our own ills but also 
we are providing essentially a way forward with how do we go from here? That is the main question. Like, where do we as a society go from where we are? That's the main question, which is tackled well. So how about translations uh, from Kiswahili into English? Kiswahili to English is sort of is in its infancy, if I'm honest. I was in a workshop uh, with Two Lines Press uh, in the beginning of the year. And we were about, uh, I think, eight participants. And essentially, when I think of it, the people in that room are like the majority of what make up Swahili translation. Like, that is what is, that is all of Swahili translation. <laughs> Which is sad, which is sad, really. Um, but also, it's uh, we have to start somewhere. So it's an inf it's beginning. It's taking shape with, uh, I think, Anne-Marie Durant published uh, Kezlahabi's tra translation of poems uh, a few years back. And I'm speaking to Jay. I, I forgot his second name. He won the Penheim uh, two years back. He's translating Kezlahabi's uh, uh Rosa Mystica, uh, there's another one in, from Queens as well. He's translating Kachama Mkangi's uh, Walenisi, which is a political satire novel. Uh, so we, we don't have much translation from Kiswahili to English, but we are working towards that. And hopefully within the coming years, the narrative will change. Yeah. So what are you currently working on? Writing or translation? Or? But I, I am working on a translation initially uh, at the moment. And I'm thinking of, uh, it's called Utengano by Said A. Muhammad. Uh, it hasn't been picked up by any publisher at the moment, but uh, I am trying to pitch it to places. But it's essentially, it's a novel about the decay of morals of the society, let's say, it's that dichotomy between tradition and modernity, like I said. And it's written in this very lyrical prose. Like it's, uh, Sayyidah Muhammad is one of the finest, in my opinion, of, uh, in, when it comes to Swahili fiction. And like this novel, essentially, it's about, like, it's such a scandalous scene. It's about with this prostitute, he invites a father and son. He's been playing them both to his house. And they find themselves at this place there. And essentially, it fractures their bond. When he goes home in this fits of anger, he, he, he takes it out on his wife and his daughter. And like it's a ploy, like it was played by this woman on how this family disintegrates on how he loses his political ambition, on how his fa like essentially it's a man's descent into the lowest of laws, uh, being disgraced, essentially disgraced, yeah, and how he comes out from that. Yeah, that's what I'm working on at the moment. So what stage is it in? You have completed the first draft or how is it? No, I'm still, uh, you see, it's, uh, I think I was in a, another workshop, I'm thinking of workshops a lot, uh, by ALTA, the American Literary Translation Association. They had a BIPOC workshop for Black, Indigenous, and people of color uh, for tra beginning translations. And essentially, they told me, like, don't work on a manuscript to completion. 
like work on a pitch like for the past for the first let's say chapter and eight the eight pages that you can show publishers and when you have interest is when you can like work on a full manuscript and that's essentially that's what i have a first chapter that um i'm i'm setting to pitch to places and after that we'll see uh, where it goes but yeah i'm working on pitches list right now he read uh, your short story the guest that you have sent me it's it's a nicely written story though it's a i would say a short short story it's a very short story yeah yeah tell us about the with that particular short story guest the guest is about a possession it's about this woman who is awaiting her beloved in the middle of the night when she wakes up all of a sudden and she's like you, it starts with a sense of anxiety like he's supposed to arrive so why hasn't he arrived yet and i think when i start with my choice of translation there's this sentence fragments that i choose in the beginning the first paragraph essentially is uh uh it was late at night and the darkness was far reaching the wind was relentless the rain gushed like this sense of uh, it's a lot of action but it's very very short sentences like to induce that in the sense of anxiety and essentially he awaits this mysterious person who we haven't met yet but you can sense that something is off and when you when you meet him for the first time you're like okay what's happening what's ha- what's going on like you can sense that there's more than what meets the eye which is essentially what mumbasa is there's more than what meets the eye here and you sort of you, it's sort of this love story going on and you're like but you you sort of, you, you also feel that it's not a love story like okay there's this sense of push and pull the dialogue doesn't feel natural it's sort of otherworldly it's sort of like a play it's sort of and slowly you get into it because she says what people say about her like some people say i'm mad some say i'm lying some say i'm this i'm this and you sort of feel like is this so she's unreliable as a narrator uh, as a narrator uh, and then it's sort of we go slowly from where she is until the end where we discover uh it's all in our head it's all in our head let's say the relationship and the gen yeah before we end the podcast uh, please read a paragraph or two from uh, the short story guest both in kiswahili and also in english I'll pick the beginning. I like the fragments of it all. So here is Kiswahili. It's called Mgeni by Fatma Shafi Muhammad. Usiku ulikuwa mwingi na utusi ukatanda kote. Kulikuwa na upepo mkali. Mvua ya kifuku ilinyesha mno huku radi zikipiga bila mpangilio. Sauti ya vyombo vikianguka vilisikika mara kwa mara. Madirisha aliyoacha wazi yalijibana na kujifungua kwa nguvu kupitia upepo huo. Tik tok tik tok. Muda uliyoyoma. Binti huyo aliyekuwa hachokachoka, hoi bintiki alizuka kutoka katika malimwengu ya usingizi. Akanyanyuka na kwenda dirishani. Akazifungua pazia na kutizama nje. Halafu alirudi kitandani na kukaa huko amejifinika nusu mwili. Alitizama saa iliyoko pembeni mwa kitanda chake. ilikuwa saa 8 na kasorobo 
alifotoka macho kwa mshangao akatazama nje tena kimya kichwa kilimzunguka kama tiara hofu ilimvaa alishika kituki kwa nini hajawasili aliwaza it was late at night the darkness was far reaching the wind was relentless the rain gushed the thunder pounded haphazardly it was a frequent class of utensils falling as unlatched windows closed and opened violently in that wind tick tock tick tock time marched the girl emerged exhausted from the world of sleep getting to her feet she walked to the window parted the curtains and peeked outside then returned to bed pulling up the sheets halfway she glanced at the clock by the far corner of her bed a quarter to two she widened her eyes in disbelief and looked back outside silence the head was spinning like a kite her nerves were racked why hasn't she arrived yet she wondered fingering her neck thank you thank you for your this conversation and your time hasan thank you very much thank you i'm honored for having you thank you for having me